0: Well, there's one way to start the afternoon. Welcome to Straight Talk Radio, where we discuss business, politics, culture, and local and world issues. It's our uh, first live show here on July 3rd, and all of them are automatically saved into podcasts, which you can listen to at the site you're on right now. I'm your host, Onya Keating, coming in hot from Seattle area at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And listeners, if you're out there, aside from tuning in, you can use uh, this podcast or this show live from your desktop your laptop or your tablet or your smartphone but you can also dial in and talk to us live at 646-378-0261 again that's 646-378-0261 or you can fire up the chat you know straight from your desktop there and we'll do our best to include your questions or your comments here uh, this afternoon, we've got Katherine Simpson out there, and she's our guest. We're going to talk about some of her work and her experiences, and eh, whatever flows. We'll just have some fun with it. Good afternoon, Katherine. Are you out there?
1: I am. How are you?
0: Oh, great. Welcome. How are you feeling today?
1: I'm doing great. It's really nice to be able to have the energy to enjoy the summer, and we'll probably get into uh, you know a little bit of about the background on that in a few minutes, but... Uh, Doing really well and just ecstatic to be out and about doing normal things.
0: Well, I can imagine, and it's absolutely great to have you here. So, why don't we start off with you giving us a brief bio, some kind of a sketch of who you are?
1: Sure. Um, I was actually born in St. Louis, Missouri. I moved out here when I was about ten to um, the Kitsap Peninsula. Grew up here in local schools and in the local communities here between Port Orchard and Bremerton and uh, graduated from the University of Washington, have two wonderful children, and um, this has been home for four years.
0: So uh, that's my general background. Okay. And many of us know you as a recently retired South Kitsap School District Board Director, and you've made some significant inroads for education as a strong advocate in your district, and you've done quite a few other things in the region here. So let's start with that. Uh, what are the top three decisions or accomplishments um, that you're most proud of when you were doing your board director work?
1: Well, uh, thanks thanks for the kind words about, about serving on the school board. Um, I spent eight years on the South Kitsap school board three as a school board president. And, you know, I thought a lot about, you know, what, what did I accomplish? I didn't accomplish a whole lot individually. We have in the district, um, nearly 900 employees, they accomplished the work. What, what the role of the board is, is to set that vision and mission and um, expect it to be executed well. And so what I'm proud of has to do a lot with that execution. And, and first is, personally, I made an effort in every opportunity I had as a school board member to focus on student achievement. What are we doing that's in the best interest of our students and in their success? And I'm, I'm very proud that I, I kept that uh, that mantra, that vision, you know, forefront. So it wasn't about Kathy Simpson. It wasn't about my kids. It was about my kids and their 10,000 closest friends in South Kitsap schools. So probably the second thing, I'm I'm very proud of the work that um, South Kitsap has been doing and that I was a part of was our focus on the whole child. But there are lots of critics out there that would say that... Um, education is all about reading, writing, and arithmetic. And that that is extremely important, but there's also the need to focus on the whole child concept of education. And that is, Mm -hmm. if you can't incentivize a child to do well in the classroom, then you're not going to meet your student achievement goals um, for that child, for his peers. So um, reading, writing, and arithmetic is the engine that drives public education but there's the ignition system of extracurricular activities. There's the fuel system of great teachers and um, great programs in our schools. Those things are just as important. So I'm really (laughs) proud that we focused on not only reading, writing, and arithmetic, but valuing the whole child and um, making that a community priority. And finally, I'm I'm very proud of kind of putting my... um, Action is where my mouth is. I feel very strongly and passionately about public education. So it's not only part of fixing some of what is broken in public education, but also in defending public ed. Um, there has been an extensive amount of bashing of public education in recent years, and, and I find that mm-hmm. very sad. We celebrate tomorrow our Independence Day on this country, 200 and I think 30, 238 years of independence. And that independence has been maintained because of our priority for public education. Our folks in the military are primarily publicly educated. Our folks that, that stand at the ready, whether it's police, fire, wherever, those folks are, 95% of them, publicly educated. So that is the backbone of this great country. And if we fail to appreciate what public education has done, then we'll so demoralize it that it won't get better or it will get worse. So I'm very, very proud of my participation in that
0: process. And, of course, like with anything else, we thank you for your service because there are people out there um, that everybody has an opinion and everyone should at some point because either you have someone that's in the system that's going to school or you're paying for it through your taxes. So, of course, people are going to care about education. And it impacts us all. I mean, it's not just about whether or not you have a child there. It's also if you're an employer, it's, it's the uh, talent gap and the workforce and all of those types of issues and trying to make sure that you have pathways. Um, you brought up some interesting comments, obviously, you know, with education execution and the whole child and, and of course walking the talk and, and making sure that you can do your best when you're in that capacity. It reminds me of the uh, STEM focus that we all have right now. And STEM, for those who mm-hmm. don't know, is science, technology, you know, engineering, and math. And of course, some of the blowback from that is, well, you're focusing too much on one side, and you're not focusing on the creative and the artistic side. And we don't want to, you know, you don't want to have a heavy left hand or a heavy right hand. You want to have a whole child. And that's some of what you were saying. And of course, in response to that, there are a lot of um, edu- educational institutions that are putting in STEAM, so that, that or right. art. You know, so that, there, there's certainly some validity to that in left brain, right brain lateralization and making sure that our children are well uh, developed. And then, of course, here's a question I have for you. With respect to uh, education and Supreme Court, there was just a recent decision that came down regarding tenure, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you're not familiar with and uh, <laughs> people out there. <laughs> so that was very. a that that very
1: interesting decision. Um, what what are I your thoughts about that? Um. You know, teachers uh, generally work hard, and I'm I'm very proud of the great teachers that we have in our district, across the state, across the country. Um, But there is a sense of entitlement among some teachers that they're entitled to the job that they have. And so I think that the ruling on tenure, while I'm not sure it's going to survive appeals, um, I think it raises a very interesting and important question as to whether tenure or performance is the correct priority for retaining teachers. Here in South Kitsap, um, last, uh, last year, um, we had a, a budget, some would call it a budget crisis. We had a budget crunch. We were overstaffed for the amount of funding that we get from the state for our teachers, and we had to cut back. We, by mm-hmm. contract, could not cut back on the lowest performing teachers' tenure was the first priority and cut back. And mm-hmm. that to me does not ring true to to what we would do anywhere else in terms of you keep your best performers, you keep those that are doing the very best work in the classroom, and you let those that are the worst performers go, but that's not the way the system works. So I have some sympathy um, for that um, that decision. Unfortunately, Um, I I do have concerns as to whether or not it will survive appeal because it kind of undermines the the whole um, process there. But the process does need improvement, and I wish that our state legislature would pay attention to that and make it easier for school districts to remove that from the 295 contracts across the state of Washington, um, uh, certificated teacher contracts, um, so that we could say tenure Um, is second to performance. And I I think, you know, on balance, a teacher with 15 years of experience that is as great a teacher as a teacher with five, um, yeah, we're going to keep that teacher with 15 years. But if that teacher with five years of experience is a better teacher, is helping our students um, succeed better, I want to retain that five-year teacher. And quite frankly, I don't care if that five-year teacher is... 25 years old or 65 years old. If they've only got five years of teaching experience and they're doing the best in the classroom, I want them there. And I want mediocre. Mm -hmm. I, I told our superintendent this once. um, When we first hired um, Dave LaRose, uh, my first conversation with him was, Dave, I want South Kitsap to be the district where great teachers want to flock here because of the great things we're doing for kids and because they're so enthusiastic about education and teaching kids. And I want us to be such a great district that mediocre teachers are so uncomfortable that they'll go find a job in another district, and we'll, we'll help them with that.
0: <laughs> um, Good luck with that one. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and that, that's, but our contracts drive part of the problem of having to retain mediocre teachers um, over exceptional teachers. And when we had to let go of some very exceptional teachers last year, it broke my heart. And those kids know who those great teachers are. And quite frankly, in talking with many of those kids, they know that the great teachers are the ones that have high expectations for them and who don't let them slide.
0: And, you know, it, it, to be to be fair, I mean, I, I think also that we're going to face a significant challenge um, in terms of an appeal and, and fighting that decision. And in the private sector, the last hired, first fired, is, is, is not unusual. I mean, it happens. I mean, and that's one of the things right. that any business that's trying to have some t- level of continuity, that's what they're going to do because it's very difficult when you have someone that you've just brought through the door. Um, it's mm-hmm. very difficult to determine whether or not they're really going to sustain um, their whatever they're contributing and their their performance and whether or not they're really gonna be an asset to their organization. So it's not okay. just that that people are actually pushing back against. It is the fact that there's this big maze that's in place to keep uh, people that are tenured that are underperforming and making it so much more difficult to get them out of the system when they should be removed, and that's really what people are pushing back, and sometimes it's just about a message. Um, going back to some of the things where you mentioned execution and the whole child and walking mm-hmm. the talk in, in terms of your tenure as a board director, are there any things you wish you'd done differently?
1: Um, I really wish that I had pressed our legislators harder, um, especially in regard to uh, what eventually became the McCleary decision. Um, mm-hmm. The um, McCleary decision started in 2007, um, South Kitsap um, uh, backed that um, push uh, from the beginning, uh, in, in part um, through my, um, my drive on that and, and another school board member's drive on that. Uh, we wanted to be a part of that because the state was not fulfilling its responsibility to basic ed funding. But the McCleary decision started in 2007 will hopefully resolve itself in 2018 when the legislature promises that they will, by that time, get to full funding basic education. Um, The problem is a whole generation of our kids will go through our system in that time. And in parallel to that, in terms of personal frustration and disappointment, is no child left behind. We've been advocating for the fixes to no-tell left behind since the second year I got on the school board, and that would have been 2006. Mm-hmm. We knew there were issues with that. Both parties in Washington, D.C. know that there are issues with that. And mm-hmm. no one will step yep. up and, and reach, reach across the aisle after fix those problems. And mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm not blaming just the president. I'm not blaming just the Republicans mm-hmm. or just the Democrats in Congress. But all of them need to grow up sit at the table together and work this out. Um, And until they do, our kids will suffer through the continued push that we're failing in our schools because it's giving a false impression that we're failing in our schools, and that's not what's happening. Public education is succeeding. It is doing great things on the whole. There are pockets of uh, what I would consider travesty. And some of those are in in highly urban areas. None of those are in Washington State. Um, There are a couple of small pockets where we need to be deeply concerned in Washington State. But um, on the whole, public education is doing a solid job. Are there problems? Absolutely. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. But it needs our support and it needs us to quit bashing those that are are serving in the public
0: sector for
1: for public ed, I feel really bad for the great teachers that we have, and most of them are really good or really great teachers um, who are just demoralized by these um, constant bashes of
0: public education. Well, it's it's one of those things where. Um, y- 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 there are so many different statistics out there, and you can argue back and forth all day, and you can look at the numbers from the Washington State perspective. You can look at them from a nat- national perspective and how we're doing compared to other nations. And, yeah. you know, we can tweak the numbers any way we want, but the bottom line is that at the end of the day, there are there are uh, definitely some areas in which we can improve the value and the quality of our public education. And I just think that's one of those things that we have to face as a real fact and, and start figuring mm-hmm. out how to do that. Now, the other side of it in terms of funding, Uh, Mm -hmm. What's changing right now at a a, uh, a tremendous pace right now is the the face of education and what it looks like. And, you know, there are a lot of online educational um, opportunities. There's Khan Academy, and it's shifting. Um, People that are going into universities are looking at other options because it's become so – it's almost cost prohibitive for them. And reasons behind that don't have anything to do with improving the quality of education. It's, it's really something that has become a money maker. And so I think that in some ways the McCleary decision has, you know, once again, it has brought a problem to the fore, but it has also done what happens in the private sector when something goes wrong, is it drives innovation and it drives innovative models, and it Compels other people around the education space to create something that's different, that may ultimately be more efficient and effective, cost-wise and otherwise, for our for our student body population. So and, and, let's and kind of going
1: off of that. Oh, sorry, I'm kind of no, going no, go off ahead. of that. Um, the, the opportunity for public school districts and and um, educators and in, in the public sector to improve the quality of education through through full funding their opportunities for innovation, for um, taking education to the next level are immense. The the struggle with that is we are struggling so much fiscally right now that just to get the technology into our classrooms and to keep class sizes down low enough where um, there is that opportunity for impact with every child every day, um, is a tough battle. And one thing I will say to that, too, and I just want to plug this as something that I feel is incredibly important in public ed. Class size is not the most significant indicator of whether or not a classroom is going to be successful, and children in that classroom are going to be successful. A class size of 20 with a mediocre teacher is going to produce a mediocre result. Class size of 30 with an exceptional teacher is going to produce exceptional results. So while class size is important because we want that teacher to have opportunity with every child every day, class size in and of itself, is research is showing, is not the big change element in public ed. It is the quality and the enthusiasm of that teacher in the classroom every day.
0: And that's, and both of those are going to ultimately be important because you don't want a, uh, an exceptional teacher in there with 30 students because over time it's just impossible to reach every one of them, and that bleeds into stress and dissatisfaction and so forth. So to be fair, they're both very important, obviously. Now let's uh, switch gears here for a little bit with you and take a more personal turn in our discussion. And we knew this was going to happen, so let's get ready. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Now, you recently had a life-changing experience uh, with inflammatory breast cancer, also referred to as IBC, um, and you're coming up actually in the next month in your uh, one-year anniversary yeah. with that. So you want to share a short backstory on that and what happened with you?
1: Sure. Um, last summer, my youngest uh, child graduated from high school, and we were all looking forward to new adventures and, and just enjoying the summer. And, um uh, about mid July I um had a small rash on my on my left uh, breast and didn't think too much of it. I'm a I'm a bigger person and, you know, summer heat you know, all rash was small, it's not a big deal. And didn't go away in a couple of weeks. Um and then quite frankly what happened was my uh, uh, what prompted me to, to go just make sure that it wasn't cancer or try to make sure it wasn't cancer was my son's baseball coach Anton went in for what he thought was a bladder infection with his doctor, and it turned out he had a, a very serious cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, he started treatment immediately. Um, and so I didn't want to worry the rest of my summer um, and fall, because uh, I love the fall, um, about whether or not this was cancer. So I scheduled an appointment with my doctor pretty quickly, and I said, you know, I just want to be sure that this isn't cancer. He, he felt you know, pretty confident. He'd never seen uh, breast cancer manifest that way, so he said, I'm pretty sure it's not cancer. Here's some antibiotics, and um, uh, since you haven't had a mammogram, we'll get you a mammogram in a few weeks. I said, you know, I really don't want to wait a few weeks. Can we just get it done so I don't have to worry? Um, So, just uh, to shorten up the story a little bit, Uh, the next day I got into uh, the Carol Milgaard Breast Center in, in Tacoma for what I thought would be a routine mammogram, let my fears mm-hmm. go and enjoy the rest of my summer, and and that started the the chain of events. I was uh, that day uh, diagnosed with, um, well, we, you know, the testing was done. They were pretty sure what they were seeing, um, but it was inflammatory breast cancer. The biopsies confirmed that. In the next week, um, by the end of that week, I think I had a port in uh, for infusions, and the week after that, I was starting chemotherapy. And, um, boy, you talk about, you know, life crashing abruptly. Um, It was pretty terrifying. Um, So I'll get back to being terrified in a second, but uh, the the treatment plan was uh, chemotherapy for uh, about four and a half months, and then um, surgery, double mastectomy, and then radiation for uh, six weeks after that, uh-huh. every day for for 6 weeks and um the uh getting a little ahead of the game here the really good news is I've been very very fortunate to um have been scanned in April and they can't find any evidence of the disease so
0: doing really That's great really news. Well. great news.
1: Yeah, but I'll I'll share with you a little bit about, you know, the journey there. Um it was really scary at first and it and it only got scarier With chemotherapy, Um, I'll share for your audience, I I think I've told you this story, but um, I went in for my first chemo treatment, and I was so terrified. Um, They put the blood pressure cuff on me, and it was up 160 over something, which is way high for me. And um, I ripped the cuff off and ran out of the room. And, um, you know, they were about to inject me with all this stuff, and my blood pressure was already sky high, and, you know, life was just coming coming at me way too fast. So I ran out of the room and um, went outside and caught some air, breathed real deep. And what's held me together for, uh, you know, this 10, 11 months is my two kids. Well, my daughter was sitting back in the chemo room, um, great kid that she is um, she was sitting there and, and the nurse turned to her and asked her is she coming back and and my daughter just didn't miss a Simpson beat she says well she has to I have her car keys there and, you go um, <laughs> and, yeah and so you know a few minutes later I did come back and, and we started the chemo um, and I think within a half an hour or so I was I was pretty comfortable that I wasn't going to die that day
0: exactly and, right um, yeah
1: and we went from there and truth be told, I mean, people say it, but it's really the way it is when you're a cancer patient. It's day by day. You're grateful for every breath you take and every opportunity you have to hug your kids and, and share in their small successes and, and larger successes in life. and
0: and it's that through. way anyway. It's certainly that way anyway. But I can tell you that you know it it really becomes more poignant when you're dealing with something like that. It is absolutely true. It just happens to be that um, I went for my exam this morning. I mean, I didn't know anything about having this show or having you on the show when I made that appointment. So it was just an a, a yeah. irony this morning when I went. But you know, the question that I wanted to ask you, and we were starting to get to that, um, what hmm. was the most difficult or challenging part aside, obviously, from battling the cancer itself?
1: You know, um, it was scaring my kids. It was, um, that was really, really hard. Um, I've always been very honest, and and, um, I talk to my kids, and and we have a good relationship, I I think. You might want to ask them on different days, but um, sitting down and telling them that night was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I can imagine. um, they they both, one is 19 and, and one is uh, 22, and they both reacted very differently at the same one completely shut down, was so terrified by it. The other got very angry at me for not telling um, him sooner, and I was kind of like, you know, son, I found out at 5, we're sitting here at 8, it's kind of, you know, well, it's about as soon as I could, I could uh, handle that
0: conversation. Absolutely, but, right.
1: <laughs> To their credit, and to anybody listening who might have this same challenge, um, told them told them how much I loved them and how much um, you know I needed them during this time, and then gave them some breathing room so that they could process um, what was happening. And kids process uh, with their friends, and so I had to give them a little bit of space. My daughter came back a little bit uh, quicker than my son, and, uh, you know, a few yeah. hours later she had kind of calmed down and was thinking more rationally and had talked with her friends and, and realized that I wasn't going to die tomorrow. Right, and, right. Um, and we had an opportunity to talk a little bit, and, and after that she was just a rock. And um, she decided, and, and I think she coerced her brother into it, that um, I would not go to chemo alone. I wouldn't, go to ke- I wouldn't let anybody else go to chemo, but I couldn't say no to my kids. And um, so they came with me every chemo session. My son, Tom, um, bless his heart, he he came up to me um, a couple days after, you know, we, we all found this out. And uh, he had had plans to go off to school in, in Spokane. And um, then he, he had changed those plans a couple weeks before we found this out, um, just on what he wanted to do. And I was struggling with that a little bit, and and he just came to me and he said, you know, Mom, um, God had a plan, and um, I could not have been my best self six hours away, wondering how you were, wondering if you were lying to me about how you were doing, and, um, you know, being worried. He said, being here and being in Tacoma, he goes to Tacoma Community College, go Titans. Um, (laughs) Being here, he was able to see every day that, that I was okay, and when I had bad days, he was there to, to give me a hug and
0: to to let me know things were going to be okay, and so How things just worked out. How has your life changed since this this experience? Now I know you're doing, you know, you've always kayaked, I believe, and so yeah. I, I don't know if you've always done it. And you're just pick, you picked it up more as you started to deal with this issue, and then you're also looking at doing a triathlon. You're kind of working on that. So, what are some yeah. of the, the one or two big highlights that have come out of this experience for you?
1: So I've, I've been kayaking for the past five or six years, and um, you know I I choose kayaking now because it gets me out, it gets me away from everything. Um, most of the time, the cell phone doesn't even work, which is really hard for me, but I try anyway. Um, and the triathlon was back when this came down. One of the things the doctor said: no one can tell me specifically why or how I got cancer. I Certainly in certain risk groups, um, like everybody's in certain risk groups, um, I'm overweight and cancer hides in fatty tissue. And so one of the things I don't want anymore is fatty tissue. So one, right, of, my buddies, right. yeah, one of my buddies challenged me to at least take on the triathlon and I thought about that for a little bit and um, said, okay, I'll give that a try. And so I only have two goals for the triathlon. That's um, the tri-turtle triathlon. Um, in September, and the first one is to just finish, you know. And the, I the agree, second I one agree. is, not, yeah, the second one is to not finish last. So I think my <laughs> my friends have kind of planned to have somebody right there, you know, that'll that'll wait for me, and <laughs> so I won't finish last. But you know, in terms of what's changed for me, um, the the most significant thing is valuing Uh-oh. time. I guess
0: we're. I guess they've told us that we're out of time here. Wow, I mean, we could go on and talk. Right? We have to make a longer show here.
1: Well, I mean, I was going to
0: say something <laughs> about, you know, making sure that we have our signs and symptoms in check and whatever, but I'll just go and go ahead and thank you for joining us, Catherine, and thanks to everyone for tuning in. This live broadcast can now be found as a podcast on our Talk Radio site. And you can join us on Facebook at Straight Talk Radio, straight as S T R and the number 8, for information about upcoming shows and other news and this is your host Tonya Keatings signing off at three thirty Pacific Time Thursday July third. Have a great evening, Seattle, and enjoy your Independence Day weekend. I guess we'll see you at the next show. And Catherine, thank you so much again.
1: Thanks for having me. Step into the world of power loyalty